This is TC Palmcast, top Treasure Coast headlines and more from TC Palm, part of the USA Today Network. Good morning and welcome to TC Palmcast. It's Friday, March 8th, which means that Daisha Johnson is back and we're going to talk about some headlines. Let's talk about the news. Hi, Daisha. Good morning. How are you? I'm happy it's Friday. It is Friday. The weather's cooled down a little bit. Baseball's back on TV. Life is good. Life is good. I've been sleeping with the windows open. That's been nice. I'm sure the piggies are loving it. No, they hate no. the cold. <laughs> Anything under like 60 degrees and they're not happy. They're not happy about it. Yeah, if y'all don't know by now, I get my name dropped on this podcast all the time because I have two pot belly pigs at home and they're my babies. They're so cute. But anyway, we could talk about your pigs all day long. I know. Sorry. But, oh no, I would do it too. <laughs> But we got to talk about some headlines. So starting with the human trafficking and the solicitation stories that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks, we do have some updates. Yeah, so an update on that story. Robert Kraft, he was told that he needs to appear in person at his arraignment on those charges of soliciting prostitution. However, his lawyer then said that Kraft will not be there. His lawyer went on to say that this is just a routine procedural hearing and that the lawyer appears for the defendant in misdemeanor cases like this one and the defendant does not have to appear. That hearing is set for 9 a.m. March 28th in Palm Beach Gardens, so I guess we will see what ultimately happens with that. Uh, if you don't know, Kraft was one of nearly 300 men accused of paying for sexual services at one of about 10 spas across Florida. Uh, Robert Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots. Yeah, I'm sure that this could change three or four more times between now and the end of the month, so we'll be keeping an eye on that one. We did have another update on the solicitation human trafficking rings as well. The president of Coulter Homes, his name is Richard Cavell, he was arrested earlier this week on charges of solicitation, and he then turned around and resigned as president of Coulter Homes. Cavell lives on Singer Island, and he was arrested on Monday. Cavell said he was resigning from Coulter Homes for personal reasons and was released on $1,500 bond from Martin County Sheriff's Office, but he declined to comment further on the actual charges against him. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. As more names are released from Martin County, we will be updating all those stories on TC Palm so people can see who else is involved in this long string of arrests and charges. All right, so moving on, we had a big investigation that was dropped on Thursday from Miranda Moore. She's our new reporter at TC Palm, and it's talking about complications from deliveries at different hospitals along the Treasure Coast. So this was part of a bigger investigation that USA Today did across 13 states looking at hospitals, seeing where there were complications during childbirth. Five hospitals on the Treasure Coast were examined, and four of them had numbers that were higher than national averages. Wow. So they looked at Martin Medical Center in Stewart, Tradition Medical Center, Indian River Medical Center, Longwood Regional Medical Center, and St. Lucie Medical Center. And as we know, Martin, Tradition, and Indian River are now part of Cleveland Clinics. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, been an update since Marina started doing this investigation. We found that the average maternal complication rate at hospitals in Florida is 1.5%. At Martin Medical, for example, it's 2.9. So it's double the state and the national average for how many times there should be an issue or a complication while a woman is giving birth. Tradition was also up there. It was at 2.4%. Indian River Medical was at 2 And then Long was a little bit lower at 1.5, which is the same average. And then St. Lucie Medical Center was actually a little bit lower. So this was a big shock to the community when we posted this on Facebook 
trying to figure out what's been going on, why these hospitals are having all these medical issues and having women be put in scary situations where there's complications with either their health or the health of their newborn babies. And within one to two hours of posting this on our Facebook page, we had almost 100 comments. A lot of people coming forward to kind of share their stories, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we did quote a couple of different people in the actual story. Miranda was able to get some women to come forward with their stories. But the minute we put this on Facebook, people started tagging their friends saying, didn't you deliver here? Or this sounds like your story. And we had a couple of people that started sharing their own stories saying that they delivered at Martin Health eight years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And they're sharing their stories. And they're really, really scary. One woman named Joan talked about eight years ago she delivered. She was two weeks before her due date, and she could tell something wasn't right, so she went to Martin North. She said the place was packed. The lady came and examined her but said that they were full, and they were actually, this is the quote here, it says, I'm going to have to push your baby back up because we can't deliver her now. And so she was sent home, and then she actually delivered in C-section two weeks later, and the baby did have complications. Yeah. There's a couple of other stories about that of people saying, you know, they were bleeding or they were having pain, they were having complications, and they were being forced to wait in the waiting rooms and people wouldn't see them or people at the hospitals wouldn't acknowledge their fears, their concerns, whatever was going on. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, the babies had to have blood transfusions or they had to be in the NICU after they were born. A lot of people are saying they were delivered via emergency C-section. So it's very scary stories that are coming out all over the Treasure Coast following with Miranda's story. Those are just some Facebook comments we're reading just to remind you guys. Uh, Miranda has some women actually on the record within her story talking about very specific situations. Yes. And her story does go on to talk about how Martin Health, Tradition, Indian River has made changes. They've updated certain practices. But obviously this is still an issue across the Treasure Coast. Uh, Miranda was able to talk to the Cleveland Clinic Florida CEO who said that they were going to convene a group of experts and practitioners to look into the data that USA Today has compiled from the Treasure Coast birthing hospitals, and they were going to investigate further. So hopefully something can come out of this positive. But if you have a story that you'd like to share, you can email Miranda. She's Miranda.more at tcpalm.com, or you can call our breaking news hotline, or you can email us at tcpalmcast at tcpalm.com, and we will get the information to Miranda if you have a story that you'd like to share on this. So switching to some national news that has a Florida peg to it, some people might remember that last year, Florida's legislature did actually vote and pass a bill that would get rid of daylight savings time. So we wouldn't be flipping back and forth between two different time zones every year. We would just stay at one time zone all the time. And that did pass in the Florida legislature, but it kind of died up at the federal level. Right. So this week, Senator Marco Rubio and Senator Rick Scott and then Representative Vern Buchanan introduced the Sunshine Protection Act in Congress. So the idea now would be that they make daylight savings permanent across the entire country. So this garnered a lot of attention and a lot of debate last year when it was brought up on the state level. People saying, yes, let's stick to daylight savings time all year round. It gets too dark too early in the fall and the winter. Kids are outside, you know, getting home from school. It's too late to go out and do anything after work. But this, I think, honestly, is a little bit better of a better idea because then the entire country would be sticking to what would be daylight savings time all year long. Yeah, I, I definitely support it. I think it's kind of an archaic issue to begin with. I mean, this <laughs> dated back to post-World War II when we were trying to save on oil costs, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it was. Um, and other states, I know Arizona does not do the time change. They just stay at one time all the time. So, you know, I don't see any problem with everybody staying at yeah. the same time. I could see a lot of issues coming into play if it was only Florida that made that change. Can you just 
imagine what it would be like dealing with kind of that New York to Miami time zone difference half of the year. I just feel like that would be kind of chaos, so. Yeah, so last year when it was brought up in the Florida legislature, I thought it was a bad idea because everybody would have sprung forward, but then in the fall, we would have stayed forward and everybody else would fall back. So right. we would actually be our own little time zone ahead of East Coast time zone. And we're already split the state of Florida. We already have two time zones. Yes. So then... I would just be. I thought it was going to get way chaos. too complicated with trying to deal with, you know, what time's your television show on, and what time do I call my mom, and you know, figuring out flights and and all that. Flights for sure. I just thought of all this chaos that was going to come. So this idea that came from Rubio and Scott, I think, is a better idea just to get everybody more standardized because, like right. you said, Arizona doesn't do. It. I think there's like half of Indiana doesn't do it. So it get it gets very complicated. And this story did go crazy on Facebook, as to be expected. A lot of people saying, uh, either supporting it, some people saying, you know, it was dumb to begin with that we even have time changes. And But there is a big concern about kids going to school in the dark, mm-hmm. which already happens. You know, in the winter, it's already dark and I see kids standing outside, you know, waiting for the bus. It's completely dark outside. That's happening now. So yeah. I don't really think this would change that. And I think it's kind of six to one half dozen to another because if, if it's still dark in the morning, then it's going to be lighter when the kids come home in the afternoons. Or it's when you flip it and you go to the earlier time in the winter, then it's lighter earlier in the morning when the kids are going to the bus stop but then it's darker earlier in the afternoon if they're coming home from sports or whatever then it's dark then so you're gonna hit it no matter what right so this garnered actually a lot of conversations on a couple different places on reddit as well this one woman her user handle is candy32935 and she said i can't believe this hasn't been fixed yet we live in florida the sunshine state our days should be as long as possible and you would think it would be great for tourism longer days mean more money being spent but hey, I'm just an office manager. What do I know? <laughs> that actually is a point that was brought up uh, last year when we were having this debate is, I think it was Rick Scott saying that this would be really good for tourism. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to think that, you know, he is obviously tourism focused because that's a huge moneymaker for our state. Um, but he's saying, you know, people can enjoy sunshine a lot longer throughout the day in Florida if we make this change. So, I mean, interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're still going to get shorter days in the winter because that's just how it works when we're rotating around the sun. Yes, that is science. It is. <laughs> as much as we'd like to change it and have it to be sunny and warm here all the time, we can't quite get that. But I think that this would just help with the confusion and just keeping things a little more standard. But we'll see where this goes up in the federal government level. So the last story we want to talk about today is all about pub subs. This is a very Florida story, I feel like. <laughs> And it wasn't even that long of a story because you don't really need to say much more than the pub subs. The whole pub sub is on sale now through Sunday and they are $5.99. These pub subs regularly cost Mm $8.99. So people are pretty excited. Yes. So our trend supporter, Maureen Kenyon, we talk about her a lot in here because she writes all the fun stories. Last week it's sharks, this week it's pub subs. So she did a quick story about this thinking that people would like it and oh boy did they. Well, yeah, people like their pub subs, especially if they get to save money. Mm-hmm. And this went crazy, not only on our Facebook page, but on all of our Florida properties, including Fort Myers, Naples, Florida Today, up in Brevard County. People just tagging each other saying, hey, let's go get lunch. Hey, let's go get a pub sub. Some people saying, oh, you know, it's crap anyways. Those were few <laughs> and far between. For the most part, people seemed pretty excited. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're talking, you know, 200, 300 comments, you know, 700 shares. These stories went absolutely bonkers on Facebook. And I did take it upon myself to look up some of the most popular pub subs. Oh, I'm interested. What you got? And now this is coming from Publix themselves. So I will take it with a grain of salt. But they are saying uh, they put a little blog together about the five pub subs that you really need to try. Obviously, number one is the chicken tender sub. 
I've heard great things. I am really sad that I never tried this before I stopped eating meat. That's <laughs> one of my biggest regrets in life. Um, I had family in town recently and my stepdad was looking for a McDonald's and I was like, yeah, it's pretty far away. I said, why don't you go to Publix? It's down the street, get a chicken tender pub sub and you will thank me later. And oh my gosh, he was so obsessed with his sandwich <laughs> that he decided he was going to go back every single day that he was visiting in Florida to go get another chicken tender pub sub. So clearly Publix knows what they're talking about. Oh wow. Yes. Also on that list was the Italian sub, the chicken cordon bleu, uh, the Ultimate Sub, which they said have, has been around for about 20 years, and the Havana Bold Sub. Wow. So maybe them being on sale, this is the time for people to try all those and figure out which one they like the best. Or just eat a chicken tender sub every single day. You could do that too. But <laughs> I honestly think that of all the different Facebook posts we have, the one that on our Fort Myers Facebook page was the best, and it says, say a prayer for Publix deli workers. <laughs> Good luck, deli Publix workers. I hope that everybody is kind to you when they order their sandwiches. And maybe just, you know, plan an extra five minutes, ten minutes if you're going to go to Publix and get a sub, because you know the lines have got to be just absolutely crazy right oh. now. Oh, yes. All right. So we'll be linking to all these stories in the show notes. So if you missed one, you can catch up and keep up with us on TC Palm. Thanks for coming in, Daisha. Thank you. This is TC Palmcast. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the executive producer, Daisha Johnson. This podcast is also produced by Hannah Schwab and Karen Schaefer. The editor is Tim Thorson. Interviews and reporting is done by TC Palm staff. You can email us at tcpalmcast at tcpalm.com.